You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Psyched by MG. This is Mary Grace Randazzo Ratliff, or MG for short. I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for 32 years now. Guess what, everyone? We all have issues. So it's time to lighten up and move forward. Let's stop letting our crap control us and take control of our crap. <laughs> Matt, he's giving us our signal. We're on. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. I'm, do- I'm doing so much better. Oh, my gosh. That's so fantastic. much better. That's good to hear. Oh, my God. You know, and I took a little time off. And so... It's just, it's a, it does a world of good. It really does. How's your son doing, by the way? He is back to normal. He is back to normal. Our test results all came back negative. I think that's like the weight of the world is lifted off my shoulder. And as everybody knows, it's just so much stress. I, I'm cleaning constantly. Yeah. You know, it's the Lysol, the bleach wipes, the bleach, the laundry, the vinegar in the laundry. I mean, it's, it's just constant so now I kind of feel like I have my life back again we did get news today that my my husband uh his boss he's been fighting COVID I think for 10 days or more he was hospitalized today so I was nudging my husband you better check in on him because he's all by himself in there and text messages and and messages to them you know are so essential and needed yeah they're they're alone. I mean, really alone. Those nurses are only in there for like a couple minutes. You know, the nurses that I treat constantly say in and out as quick as we can. Um, so they don't have any contact. So my prayers go out to, you know, Ron and his family. Um, but it continues. It continues. How are you guys doing? Barbara, I'll let you go first. We both took deep breaths or whatever. So yeah, no, I just, you know, as I was saying previously before we started, you know, I'm happy it's the weekend. I'm happy it's, you know, we're, th- there's some semblance of, as you said, Mary Grace, taking a break. Um, I have to take my own kind of like, if I got to if I talk the talk, I got to walk the walk. So you have to know when to take time for yourself and when to decompress, when to self-care. And I think too, I, you know, for a while there, I used to talk about it all the time. And then I, you know, a warning sign to me should have been that I stopped talking about it, but I, and I didn't recognize that. So I'm getting back to talking about it. And and even if it bugs people, I don't care because self-care is important. And we just, you know, I just suspending all, you know, kind of neuroses from my mind. If I need connection, if I need a social bond, if I need to call someone up and be like, Hey, what's up? Like, I'm just, we have to do those things to connect right. and to, to have some level of, of a bond and, you know, kind of some interaction so that we can feel like we're, we're conquering our, ourselves and our world that we live in that has, you know, kind of been disrupted by obviously the pandemic and just everything that goes with it. So yeah, right. what about you, Barbara? <laughs> Do you really want to know? Yes, I really, really want to know. You know what, guys? One of my young mentees last week insisted that I go for a massage, take time out, go get my nails done, just some self-care, and I didn't do it. And I'm paying for it. Oh, no. Yeah, I am exhausted. Um... I have no idea when the last time I did something, something that fills me up is, to be honest. I feel like from March, when this whole mess started till now, I've just been going. Actually, I have. Not that I feel like. I have. Um, So so now, everything feels like a chore. Everything feels like a chore. Um, Even the things that I used to, you know, that are work. But I would enjoy doing. I know, I know. The yeah. I, I just uh, so I'm trying to be sensible and 
You know, the self-care thing is not an easy one for me. I've, I've, I'm going to be very honest, permission to be vulnerable. I struggle with self-care. I talk a good game. Mm-hmm. I know how to get other people to take good care of themselves. Yeah. But quite honestly, I have a hard time. I'm always, I'll put it off. Like, you know, I'll schedule a massage and then I'll cancel it. Or I'll keep putting, so the one I scheduled for last week has been put off for, was put off for this week. This week is gone. Today's Friday. So now I'm like, okay, on Monday, I'll make sure I schedule probably for, I know, Thursday. And then I'm going to get to Thursday and I'm going to be like, well, I've got a stack of things to do. And I really should stop doing that. I know what I need to do. It's just a matter of doing it. So that's just Coach B is flailing at the moment. Yes. yes. And you know what, Barbara? I struggle with the same thing. And I have come to learn that I get my family involved in pushing me to do those things. Right. And you got to tell your kids and your mom and your hubby, you know, look at, I struggle with this. You got to come out to them and say, this is what mom struggles with. And yeah. I need help. I That's need- a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I learned, That's a you very know, good idea. I, I did it with my kids and my husband. And like you, I said, I've been going since March. I was telling Matthew, I hadn't been alone in my house since February. Mm-hmm. I have not had that quiet downtime. And it's getting up in the morning, having my coffee. People are in there. You know, mm-hmm. you know, have breakfast. People are wanting to talk to me. If my mm-hmm. husband the computer, he starts talking about tasks. Yeah. <laughs> you get to that point, and it's and finally I said, nobody speak to me. Mom is having a hard day. No one talk. I'm going to sit on that couch and have a cup of coffee, and I need to be by myself. And if I'm going into sessions, don't talk to me then either. Leave yeah. me. You have, you have to do that. And then I had it's a tough one because you know what? I got accustomed, you know, Cyril goes off to work. Uh, the girls would go off to school. I would have the exact time you're talking about. Even my mom over time realized that really I need time in the morning to myself. So does she. So well, perfectly. I wouldn't see, we wouldn't see each other until about midday. So I had this long, like four or five hours of just blissful silence where I could do whatever. Right. I could, I could write, if I didn't feel like writing, I could just zone out in front of the TV. Yep. Now, like you, it's the setup is different. And I, I, I think I'm coping. Okay. Until times like this, where now I literally, everything is just hard. So yeah, next week, guys, whoever's listening, hold me accountable. I need to go. Oh, and I will your ass. Right. See, that's going to get me, that's going to get me over to that massage table really quick. Cause I don't want I'm to get gonna kick your <laughs> ass. This is now your friend talking here. Oh my God. I know. Cause that stubborn side. I have it too. I think all people who are caretakers have that side where. Well, and I think too. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. I No, I was going to say, I think too, it's like, sometimes we put off like feeling for ourselves, catering to ourselves. And, you know, as caregivers, as I think you were going to, I don't want to, you know, take words from your mouth, but as you were saying with caregivers and like, you know, being kind of as I've, and you've heard me say this about, you know, myself is that, you know, being spiritual, like being, we're spiritual walkers. And like, so as we're going through and we're healing and, you know, we have to remind, we do have to remind ourselves and it's, and we have to, we have to get humble. And I used to say this when I worked in the prison, it's like, and, and more direct kind of, you know, the kind of uh, theoretical directness, but then I would just be personally like, you got to get real, real quick with yourself. And you really do, like you were saying, Mary Grace is like inviting the people who are, they're already close to you. So why aren't you inviting them into your life? And I'm guilty of this where I'm like, Mary Grace, you know, girl, please, Barbara, please, you, you can kick my ass too, Barbara. So it's like, my thing is, is like when people are close to me, but I'm not telling them that I'm struggling because, well, for what, you know, and and part of it is all those thoughts is like, well, maybe I'll be judged or maybe, and a lot of it is right now, all these changes and transitions and adjustments are and and having to adapt it's all take it's all unlocking and unleashing some of these past 
which really isn't past. It's just stuff that's been stored in our minds and it's just unleashing it. And so like, even the other day, it's like, (laughs) I remember I sent a a message to me, to Mary Grace. I'm like, I miss you, Mary Grace. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, that sounds silly, but I was like, no, F this. I need, I'm just sending it because I just want to send the message that I miss somebody and that I miss that contact. And that I, you know, I, I, and even in the, in the relationship, it's like even talking with my fiance, it's like him and I have had, we've had more and more conversations about how to connect, how to be present, um, you know, how to be intimate. And, and when we don't, intimacy is like the, the abstinence of threat. And so we, we have to inoculate our, and and essentially fancy word, but, you know, um, but we have to get rid of our own threat so that we can be intimate with ourselves. And yeah. not just intimate, I'm not, ta- you know, obviously the, you know, we're not talking, I'm not just saying physical, sexual, that, that that's, you know, that's important in relationships and stuff, but it's just the intimacy of like sitting next to each other. And like, maybe you had a, ru- a ritual where you sat next to your husband or wife or partner and you're flicking their finger while you're watching a movie. That's a ritual. And that's right. something that's, exactly. that's how you bonded. And that is something that's created an intimacy. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to talk. You don't necessarily have to do anything. Just being together in space you you know what I mean like just being together what I need right now is no togetherness I've had too much togetherness you understand what I'm saying (laughs) I I need like you know step out the door and just like bolt and go and I I need to be by myself I know I don't want people to I don't want to flick anybody's finger okay Uh You know, this is interesting because as I'm listening to you guys and I'm thinking about, you know, oh gosh, you know, we have to talk about being a lone soldier. And then I was thinking about, you know, we want to talk tonight on the show about, you know, hidden biases and judgments and how they get in the way of intimacy and connecting with people. Um, I was starting to, to connect those two issues a bit. Yeah. And thinking about that, that because I, I was listening to you, Barbara, and I, and I was thinking, you know, wow, these are such deep rooted habits of being a lone soldier. And when your needs come up, disconnecting from them and being, you know, just being an automatic pilot, you're a lone soldier on automatic pilot, you're out of your body and your person, and you're just constantly dealing with other people. You know what? It's funny because let me just interject something right there that'll segue into what we want to talk about. So this is the problem with people like myself. I am disconnected from, I have no intimacy right now with me, but I can tell you I'm so deeply enmeshed and entrenched with other people's stuff going on. So the, the, the lone soldier thing, it's the lone soldier on yourself about yourself, but I'm very much a community builder, a community person. And I spent an inordinate amount of time pouring into that. Like I get deep and dirty in that. Which helps keep you from yourself. It helps keep you so busy that you disconnect from yourself. And the intention is not to disconnect from myself, though. I know. The intention for me is getting the right balance between pouring into others and ensuring that there is enough of me to pour. Because, yeah, right now we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So, so the whole issue of solidarity and intimacy with people and, and um, building community uh, that'll fire me up. See how energetic I'm getting yeah. over that. Stop talking about going to sit in a massage place, and I'm like, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 crazy, crazy making too. Let me tell you. But that's it's years and years of of conditioning and being a certain way. You got to imagine it's like a railway track, right? They're these grooves on the railway track and, 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 the, and the wheels or whatever you call those things on the train have a way of getting into that groove and then just moving in that. And you can imagine years and years of moving along those same lines in that same way. 
to get out of that. That's that entrenchment to get out of that. I think for me, to be honest with you, Mary Grace and Matt, I think for me, it's going to be a lifelong work. Mm. I really believe it. I've just come to that point where I'm like, I'm 48 years old. I'm still dealing with this. Um, So I'm just like, this is my work. This is part of my work is learning to not be a lone soldier when it comes to me. Learning to say, hi, I need help. Learning to say, please, can I have a time out? Learning to say, I want to go away by myself uh, for a month to Africa to sit in a hut on a mountain by myself, please. I need that. Yeah. You know? And to get, because it's such an automatic pilot. You know, when you grow up the way that, you know, the three of us have talked about how we grew up. And when you grow up like that, you are trained to be connected to everyone else and what's going on and what their needs are and how to take care of it. And so it's work to stay in yourself. It's a lot of work. And you've been taught that that makes you selfish, especially if you were raised with narcissism in your family with a parent, you're trained to believe that your needs are a problem. Your needs, your wants, your problems can break the family is a burden to your parents. It causes more problems. And when you're a good soul, you go, Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be there for people. And so you don't learn how to stay in yourself. And you have to learn about them in the context. Sorry to interrupt you, because once again, you just got a little something there. So let's talk about then these internal biases and social conditioning and how difficult it is to get out of that place. If you were brought up a certain way, if you were fed certain things from your mother's milk as a baby, imagine, and then centuries and centuries of a particular way of conditioning, imagine how hard that is to start walking yourself back from that, how hard it is to come and vomit out that toxin and take on something new. I mean, we're talking, you and I, about entrenchment and social conditioning in you and me as individuals in this space. We're just a generation, right? 48 years. How about the kind of social conditioning that happens over centuries. How hard must that be to start undoing? Yes, yes. Intergener, you know, in, in, in my field, it's called intergenerational patterns that go from generation to generation to generation. And they're so, they're subconscious. They, um, they're, you know, you have habitual reactions that you don't even understand that, that really um, block intimacy and relationships and in the blocks been going on from generation to generation to generation. And it's so sad. And the first step in changing it is to be open and listen and try to become aware of what that thing is. What is that pattern? What is that knee-jerk reaction? Whether it's racism, something big, um, whether it's codependency, whether it's self-neglect, self-abuse, there is a, a message that has been taught to you that creates that habit. And sometimes that message was taught to you, but it began generations back you know we could look at racism for that one yeah no we can look at our history there and and where this bias comes from and you have a knee-jerk reaction that it's just in there and so people if we were to deal with racism people white people will will make stupid comments (laughs) that are blatantly racist and go, what are you talking about? Here's a good, here's a a good wrong thing to white people is to say, I'm not racist. You make a comment that is actually a racist statement that offends somebody. And then you say, I'm not racist. And you're not understanding that first of all, back the bus up. 
you made a comment that was offensive to somebody. Right. Don't explain away your offensiveness. Whether it's racism, any form of abuse, this is a common dynamic. Matt, I want to hear you for a minute. Mary Grace, sorry about that. I want to hear you on that, Matt, because, you know, I know that you are part of the LGBTQIA community. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm a fly on the wall because, you know... um, I I have so many allies, so many friends and relatives. And I listen to some of the sort of off-color comments that people who are like, oh, I'm not homophobic at all. But then they come out with some of these things. It's like, and you can tell that a lot of it is not coming from a place of malice, but literally it's coming from a place of con- deep conditioning. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is what Mary Grace was saying, too, and alluding to is that, you know, intergenerationally, you have, you transmit these symptoms, and you transmit these patterns. And, you know, patterns are a good way to look at something that's been taking place over time. And a lot of times, and my litmus test, and I always used to say this, whether it was especially when I worked in the prison, and, you know, Mm -hmm. as a gay male, working, and as a therapist, working in a prison, you know, having to go in there every day, and, you know, uh, and I would say to them, and, and I would have clients say, or, you know, some of the patients say, well, you know, I'm a really respectful human being, or I'm, I'm really responsible. And I said, if you were so respectful, and you were so responsible, you would not have to declare that. And so part of that is that's the, and it's not about um, kind of going back to what we were saying at the beginning, too, and kind of a full circle is that when we can humble ourselves and kind of stand in our, in, uh, in our space, as right. both you and Bar- you, Barbara and Mary Grace have been saying is that when we can stand in our space so that when someone says something, I remember I was talking with one of my colleagues and he was saying that, you know, years ago when he was in San Francisco, um, he was with his friends and he was driving down the street and someone yelled and, and for the listeners, I'm, par- I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but um, had yelled faggot out of the window. Mm-hmm. And he, and so, and, and we're talking and, and this is years, I mean, this is like almost two decades ago where I'm just like, oh my gosh. And even going through my own space and my own kind of, um, you know, where I'm standing and trying to figure things out and understand, you know, racism and bias and prejudice and how to have, you know, develop and establish relationships. And he said, and so, I, you know, and I'm, it was like a cliffhanger. I said, well, what did you do? What did you say? You know? And I think he knew that I was looking for some guidance too at the same time. Right, um, right. I never confirmed that, but I know for a fact that he was doing that. And he said, I he turned around and I said, oh my gosh, thank you for noticing. And I said, <laughs> oh my gosh. I said, oh my God, like it never. And, and honestly, this, the, the gift that keeps on giving when you stand in your own space and you can then gift it away to someone else, which it's, it's and Barbara, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking, you know, part of it is, and, and I was saying kind of, you know, we have to get real with ourselves real quick. Part of that goes along with like humbling ourselves and really kind of going within ourselves and doing that kind of soul searching. And so specifically with like the LGBTQIA, I think a lot of times it's actually talking to the person and really just, and that's the empathy. And some people either have it or they don't. And, and especially in the work that we do as a therapist, I'm not teaching you how to have empathy. You either have it or you don't. That's and so if you do, I can help you when people say, well, how should I talk to this person? That's empathy. They are, they're trying to understand how they can communicate. And so I'll say, well, instead of you know cussing someone out, you say to somebody, for instance, if someone is transgender, you would ask, you know, what personal pronoun do you prefer? And there's no, and so that, and people say, and, I, and I've had people even ask me like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to offend you. I said, the fact that you're, if you start offending by not communicating, That's you start it. offending by not opening that chasm of communication and the connection like as Mary Grace was saying, when you hold, because essentially when you don't communicate, you're holding on to a bias. That's it. And it's an implicit bias. So when I'm looking at somebody and, and or so if someone's looking at me, communicate with me. What personal pronoun do you prefer, right? Just because I might identify as, and that's another thing too, just because I might identify as gay male doesn't mean that my personal pronoun is he. It might be she or they or them. And so understand, you 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 only understand by breaking and bridging that communication. And then you start to break those biases down, you know, as Mayor Grace was saying. So 
I don't know if that answered your question. Or oh, absolutely. That. Thank you for sharing that. Because again, you know, just trying to look at, at sort of what, what, what could be, you know, it's, it's, it's a real issue. You know, it's a real issue across many spectra of our lives. And so I love making these connections where we talk about it in this one context, we talk about it in another context. But yeah, the issue of bias and social conditioning is, is deep. And I think for me personally, just looking at, you know, if I'm honest, if I look at my own fatigue around uh, trying to build solidarity, say, with white women, it, it, it is a fatigue that comes from uh, having constantly for years and many, many years come across the same issues over and over again. Uh, the issues, like you say, of non-communication, which, which leads to or displays an implicit bias, you know, the solidarity in terms of, okay, are we allies or are we not allies? Okay, if we're allies, what is the first rule of being an ally? Is communicating and asking what the other side would have you do. It's communicating your own inadequacies and recognizing that I want to be an ally, but I don't quite know what you need from me. Can you tell me what you need from me? And there is the problem that that has been missing and continues to be missing over and over and over again. And so the so-called solidarity becomes where you've got one side that is prescriptive to the other side and purports to understand and know what the other side needs. It's that same thing I can't stand of, oh, I am a voice for the voiceless. Like, can we not do that 18th century nonsense anymore? Can we, can we, can we start doing what you suggest, which is communicating so that we break down these internal biases and these centuries-old social conditioning. Because it really is preventing us from being in solidarity. It, it, it is. And this election was uh, one place where I saw that. Um, there were many who were in solidarity in a genuine sense, but there were just as many who were not. And it, was, it, it became a painful process to be in solidarity. And what tends to happen is then either side retreats to their camp. And what we know for sure is that we are so much weaker when we are apart than when we're together, especially women. So anyway, Mary Grace, I, my Mary Grace I, had a, I had a question to you. So, and, and Barbara afterwards, but Mary Grace, so like when we're specifically with like LGBTQ or just like racism, what do you think? And for the listeners, I think this would be really helpful. Like, what do you think when we talk about communication, like kind of what, what role, like, that communication plays, but also what do you, what have you seen shift? Like, have, you know what I'm saying? Like have, what shifts maybe have you seen as like, you know, the days and months and years have gone by, like from maybe how, you know, even the verbiage and the language, you know, like with that, I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, and this is what I was starting to say earlier. I don't think, enough has shifted. I don't think much has shifted. Mm -hmm. I do think it's important. And now I'm going to speak to those who have, and we all have it, people, um, deep judgments and biases, whether it's LBGTQIA, whether it's racial issues, whether it's sexism, that the start has to be an awareness. You, you, you have to slow down your reactions enough to be aware of your own insensitivities. You have to be open to the fact that you're flawed and there mm -hmm. are these problems there and to not minimize them. And to not cover them up, you know, I was starting to say to you, Barbara, earlier that there's these statements that we make, um, I, you know, oh, I, you know, I love women. I don't have a problem with women, you know, after they just, you know, talked about, you know, your boobs or whatever it is. Don't make those statements. Don't, if somebody has just said to you, look, I'm feeling uncomfortable with what you just said, or, you know, I, I take offense to that. You have to stop if you're a person that is being 
discriminatory in whatever way, you have to stop. And the first thing you have to do is say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm not aware of what I'm doing right now. Can you, can you please understand that? I, I, I apologize. You have to apologize. Do not minimize. Apologize. Own. You can ask the person questions like, what is it in my statement? If you don't know, because some people, Barbara said that early, some of this stuff is not done out of malice. Mm -hmm. It's done from habit. It really is done from habit. And so the other thing I think is you have to not be afraid to, to open up your vulnerability and talk about it. So become aware of the insensitivity that you have, apologize, and then own it. Just own it and say, you know what? I'm really ignorant right now. You yeah, know, don't make assumptions. Just, just, just don't make assumptions. Don't presume because what tends to happen is your worldview, you're viewing somebody else's life from your own prison your own narrative, your own perspective and your own framework, which is so vastly different from the person who's opposite you, especially if we're talking about issues of, say, you know, sexuality, sexual orientation, race, and so on. You cannot ever presume to know what it feels like to walk in my shoes unless you were me or like me, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it is those shifts where it's like, can you, for just a minute, get out of viewing the world through this prism? And if you have a world out there that predominantly mirrors back to you your own life, it's very easy then to negate and to neglect the other. Mm. It's very easy to kind of think it's okay that your narrative dominates and suppresses the other. I think for me, that's, that's where it's at. And that's where I'm at this point now where I'm like, anyone, anytime people start the solidarity talk, I find myself stepping backwards because I'm like, I've been here before. You know, those days of who moments, it's like, how many lifetimes have I lived? And I'm, you know, I'm in one lifetime and I've seen this over and over and somehow we can't break out of that cycle. I know. Like, what is it going to take? You know, I, I think that's such a good question. I mean, it takes the crisis. It takes the problem. It takes fear. You know, we, we see that in our offices all the time. Like, you know, people come in when there's a crisis, they think they're going to lose somebody. They're in trouble with the law, you know, and, and you look at, at them and you say, you know, you've been struggling with this problem for a long time. What was it? I don't want, you know, to lose my family. I don't want to lose this. It takes a fear to wake people up. Fear is not a bad thing. Fear isn't. We, we've talked about this in another show. Befriend fear. Don't. It, it's a temporary thing that makes you stop and think. It's a good thing. You don't have to live in it. You don't have to feed it, but it's an alert system. This pay attention. And it's... It's something that, unfortunately, for some people, they have to be bashed over the damn head before they get it. Uh, you know, I, God bless this, this client I had, and he just, he, I thought, oh God, you're in detachment again. Oh, when you're in detachment, when you're not connected to yourself, you cannot protect well your children. You can't make goodness. You think you are. And you're pretty capable. I mean, you're pretty, you know, intelligent. But when you're in detachment, you don't have access to those, those um, intuitive, um, emotional alert systems that you need. Right. So I, I was listening to him. I thought, oh, crap. It, it was over the COVID thing. Shoot. Like, you're not protecting your kids. And, and I, I, there's a line, you know, you, you can stand next to somebody, but you don't jump in and take control over their life. Right. So I knew they were circling the drain. And guess what? They got sick. 
and went, holy shit, I can't believe. And I'm like, so we got to take a look at that detachment thing you do. When you see the, the caution signs and the alert systems and the offensiveness that you're doing and all of that. And, you know, people are saying alert, alert, alert. You're circling the drain and you're like, oh, there ain't no drain. And then you fall. You got to take a look at that detachment because that detachment that you do will make you insensitive, not bad, not loveless, not somebody who doesn't care and love people, but it doesn't connect you to that sensitivity, which is a part of that alert system that gets you to take care of yourself, to protect others, to be aware, to have compassion and kindness. So that, that, and, and, and this person is a wonderful person, but came up has generations of this detachment. Yeah. We can look at men's issues here. Men's ability to detach when there's warning signs, what, you know, a kid is sick and they're like, oh, he's okay. and go to school or a kid's injured on a ball field. I grew up with a father who was a coach and kids would come back and go, oh, my side and oh, shake it off, walk it off. You know, and next thing you know, his appendix burst, right? There's a situation like that. I mean, it's like, dudes, stop, stop long enough. Don't be afraid of the warning. Ask the questions, humble up, become aware. And then these issues will give and life gets easier. It really, really does. It doesn't get harder. The detachment will create crises and problems and you will be constantly cleaning shit up. Just how it goes. When I think too, even like going, thinking about you know, the connections like you're talking about, I mean, even just thinking from a perspective of like attachment and, you know, kind of, we all, we all crave attachment. We crave to be, I mean, whether we admit it or not, that's scientific. So that's something that's irrefutable. Like we need to be close to people. That is who, that is, that is part of our hardwire. That is how we are. That's our chemical makeup. That is how we are. And, and so part of it is, the accessibility to ourselves, like you're saying, the, the ability to stop. And, and, and I, used to t- I used to tell, like, when I worked in the prison, I'd be like, you need to chill the fuck out. Like, and I, <laughs> but essentially to like snap and kind of stop and really have someone go within themselves. And I actually take people through the process of saying goodbye to themselves. Mm. Now I'm going now permission to go deep because I'm going deep here. Oh, let's go. I I take people through the process of and I have them write a letter and I have them write it in stages and I have them put at the top. And I think Mary Grace, I've even said this to you at times, like with the content of the letter, sometimes I'll put on, I'll have the clients put this letter will never be mailed. So they, it already, it already takes away the anxiety. It takes away the stress, but they, they have to, it's, it's, you need to, and I, and I tell them, I'm like, you know, this is autobiographical. This is, you are going to, and I used to say like declaring war on yourself, like when the self needs to be repaired and rebuilt, you have to say goodbye. And that is where, that is where as, as Americans universally, we struggle because we all want to matter. Now this is where it's deep and it's sad and I might cry, but besides that, that we're okay tonight. Um, But when we want to matter and for all the listeners out there, when you're thinking about this, you know, bridging these gaps in the communication, you know, rectifying the bias and the prejudice, you do that by mattering to yourself. Now, come on now, follow me here. When you matter to yourself and you start to tell yourself that you are someone and you can be somebody right? The self-concept, the self-identity, the self-esteem, that is what helps you get to the connection and it turns the circuit on. And we call that layman's terms, self-love. And part of it is learning to say goodbye. And then there's a mourning process, a grief and loss process that I take clients through. I tell them, you're going to be saying goodbye and you're going to be feeling some intense feelings here because who you have been acting like or who you have been portraying or how you have been speaking or the the you know whatever you have been holding on to as you say goodbye 
to these biases, these prejudices, things don't have to be implicit anymore. You are living your truth. And then when you live your truth, the truth stands on its own. So for instance, if I'm 10 minutes late, my truth stands on its own. And as Mary Grace and, you know, everyone who knows me, I show up on time. I, but above and all else, I show up. So it's like my truth doesn't need to, I don't need to defend myself because I can stand in my space. I can be in my spot. And we all are looking for that. And for those who are listening and even for the ones again, you know, and this is what I appreciate about, you know, kind of, kind of being quasi political where it's like, you know, kind of the person who's going to be the, the, you know, the president for all people. It's like, when you talk about that, being the therapist, being the nurse, being the doc, being the, the human for all humans, right. That's where you then start to erect into a new kind of um, image and, and a new uniqueness and a new kind of authenticity of yourself where you're able to connect. You know, it's funny because I'm hearing you talk and this is the shamanic journey you just described. This is the shamanic process, the dying to the old self so that the new self can emerge. And as you're talking, I am literally kind of, I've got chills because I'm like, this is what this nation needs. We all need to go on this deep shamanic journey where we take ourselves to these most painful, excruciating processes so that the old selves can die and the new selves emerge. Mm. I think for too long, we're looking at the very superficial ways in which we can kind of put band-aids on deep-rooted ancestral problems. These, like you're talking, we're walking around as spirits trying to heal ourselves, but we're yeah. trying to do it in very superficial ways when what it really takes is a breaking down of who we are now, breaking down of that ego, breaking down of our current sense of self so that a new self can emerge that is real and true to who we 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 are created to be right the true self the authentic self without anything implicit where your truth is your truth is your truth and it's that time where we can now start to connect what authentically with other people because right now, trying to connect with authentically with other people, we all got stuff. Because I'm like, nah, I don't trust. You know what I mean? I don't trust. Been down this road, had the carpet pulled from under my feet once too often. Right? Yeah. That level of trust that would enable us to actually build something solid that would actually allow us to transform this amazing country into something that I think is an ideal worth fighting for. It's going to take dig deep, like like digging really deep. It's going to take that shamanic journey you just described. And, and, you know, you hit it, Barbara. This is why it's so important, you know, in my work with clients, you know, oftentimes I have to sit back and I have to say to them, um, do you have any idea as I listen to your story, how much time I spend convincing you you're sane. Convincing you you're sane. Your therapist is constantly convincing you of your sanity, your value, your worth. And I'm trying to get you to understand where these behaviors can't come from. They're old, they're intergenerational. You didn't even know some of them. They've been going on for so long. Like, in it, get your innocence back. I constantly say this to clients, to myself, to friends. Give yourself your innocence back. Fall in love with your shit. Some of it's freaking funny as hell. Don't <laughs> be afraid of the journey. Have fun with it. it the, the stuff I do and pull when I am not okay, I think is hysterical. And it is I watch people, we all do this. We're all in the healing field. We watch people beat the shit out of themselves. If they think they have the problem, if they think they're doing something wrong, if they think that they're making a mistake, they want to hide. They have shame. They're controlled by shame. They do this thing to themselves and they persecute themselves. Yeah. And it's hard to watch. I spend so much time with souls when I know I, ha- I have a very gentle soul and they beat the hell out of themselves. 
And I have to show them a dynamic that they do that blocks themselves. Right. I have to say, okay, can you hear my voice? Because I'm going to tell you something, but I got to get you ready to hear it because you kick the shit out of yourself all the time. And if you do that, I, you're going to go down a hole and I got to go down the hole, get you to come back up the hole and get you to show you something that you do. That is kind of funny that you do it. <laughs> Falling in love with yourself, you know, enjoying the crap that you have is the key to being able to change it and getting a block, a bias, a judgment to move quickly, to get out of the way. The shame, the self-abuse makes it a horrific process that it doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Healing the Shame That Binds by John Bradshaw. Great book, Healing the Shame That Binds. I'm going to throw out one other book. Oh, um, I had to this down. This is this is because we we're talking big tonight about intergenerational trauma. Um, and there is a book. Oh crap! I didn't want that one. Uh, it is called It Didn't Start with You. How Inher- inherited family trauma shapes you, who you, we are. Um, oh, my glasses hang out. I have to wait. Who we are and how to end this. By Mark, I think it's Wallian, W-O-L-Y-N-N. Um, you know, awareness is so freaking important and key. And also to just lighten up on your problems. You know, I, I, I fucked up. We'll use this as an example. I'm terrible at math. I'm so terrible at math. My partners here, my co-hosts on this show know that I'm terrible at math. I screw up billing all the time. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn. I, I think I texted Matthew. You know, I'm done fucked up, AA Rod. Like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, I don't even know how I got to the number. I truly don't. <laughs> we can laugh. And I and I do it with my husband. My husband was like, you think, when we first had kids, he's like, you really think you're good at math, but you're really bad. <laughs> and then I got like first grade math or second grade math or whatever. So like, Mary Grace, if you're rolling down the street at 20 miles per hour and you have to get somewhere oh, in one man. half hour. See, <laughs> and I'm Sorry. just like, you know what? Just get some dude out there and have just figure it out. I don't do math either, Mary Grace. And the minute he started that, that time lapse, that what do they call it? What is that? that well, the funny, called? the funny thing is, <laughs> I had when to. I actually asked Mary Grace, so like, I actually asked Mary Grace. I said. Grace, I said, I'm just, you know, I said, I don't know. And I, you know, I've said, you know, I used to be a math major, but I said that, you know, obviously that ship has gone and failed, but I said, I'm just curious, like, how did you like, come, if you can explain to me. So the bad part is the bad part. And the funniest shit about this is she came up with the numbers <laughs> and she's like, report. she literally was like, well, this plus this plus this is this. And I said, no, Mary Grace. <laughs> <laughs> that was logic in her mind. See, he's brought up that rate of change. He was starting by about 20 miles an hour. And do you know that stuff used to make me have anxiety attacks at school? Panic. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I, have I have a block with bath. I know, I know what it's about. I know where it comes from. I was in denial for a very, very long time. But I accept it. And so after, after I did like the second or third mistake on billing with these two, I said, you know what, Dustin, I think you, I think you have to take this over because I keep screwing up the numbers. He's like, what'd you do? And he, looked at me, he goes, how did you even get that? I go, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you. I go, I just did it wrong. I go, I just did it wrong. Put it in thirds or something like that, Matthew said. Uh, Mary Grace, I don't do new math. Uh, my second grader actually asked me not to help her with her homework at one point in time. So yeah, mine, mine refused as well. At like fourth grade, they were all like, "Mommy is getting all our sums wrong. She's telling us the wrong thing, and we're getting poor grades." Okay. <laughs> I'm not a detail person. I it makes me good at what I do, but I am not a de- and I am terrible with names. I'm horrific with names. <laughs> I, 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 
parents that I stood in hallways for years, I couldn't tell you their first name. I could tell you about their child. I could tell you what their child was. I could tell you any emotional issues that they've ever talked to me about. But remembering their name, I have a hard time. I get a block. It's a detail. It's a detail. The big themes, I'm all in. You're like me. I'm a bigger. I'm a bigger picture person. Like right now, I mean, I have issues with you know administering my groups and stuff. When somebody who's an admin starts nitpicking things, I literally like. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I don't care, and I'm not a perfectionist either. So if somebody's like, well, we want to put a caption for the Zoom lesson on. I'm like, I don't care whether you put a caption or not. I know. Call, call it whatever you feel like. Auntie, can we have a name? I'm like. If you call me one more time about this, this administration, because I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not in the minutiae. I'm no. not in the bigger no. Yeah. You just got to yeah. know your strengths and your weaknesses, you know? And then you play I, to your friends. I am. I'm, I'm part of the minutiae. Mary Grace knows that. Oh, thank <laughs> yeah. God. Well, at least we have somebody who's part of the minutiae. Yeah. It'd be crazy if all of like us it's were the, like, it's the big picture Let's... where I'm like, I'm like, I don't really care about the big picture because like the big picture is just gonna happen. I'm like, whereas like, whereas don't like worry, for me, Bob, I'm like, Bob and Mary Grace will take care of the big picture. <laughs> yeah, you, you get yeah, on with the, with the yeah, details. Barbara and Mary Grace, you got me on the big picture. I'll handle all the nuanced minutia. Thank oh, you. <laughs> That's good. Oh my god. Yeah. He. In our office, because Matthew and I have share an office, and we redid it. And Matthew very gently come <laughs> to me about the details of the office, and and you know we might want we might want to think about you know painting and getting new furniture. But he he knows timing with me. He knows how to like introduce something, right? And we'll like, always say, well, what do you think? You know, I had a thought. And what do you think if we do this, this, and this there? And I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. Then I'm I'm like, yeah, I'd be like, please, I'm busy trying to solve the world's problems here. Can you deal with the paint and the wallpaper and that stuff, please? Because seriously, I'm like that. Even, yeah. even when it comes to like, you know, like when we purchase the new home. Uh, Cyril's like, this couch, he'll go and like, I'm like, you know what? Finish it how you like. I don't care. Yeah. We've got space. Hello? Everybody's happy. You've got space? I yeah. don't care. I And that's just my nature. That's just who I am, and I've had to accept that. I'm not Martha Stewart, okay? I'm not. Wait, wait. So, Barbara, Barbara, what I hear you saying is, is that you're ready to actually accept yourself. Oh, I think I just dropped the mic. I think we have healing in real time. <laughs> I mean, oh, Please. <laughs> no, I just I bring that up because I'm I'm so guilty of that. Where it's like, as I'm talking, Mary Grace, you know this. As I'm talking, I'm like, wait a minute, I I actually I'm gonna finish this story out, but I already have my own healing and my own answer here. But I'm just gonna I'm already invested, so I might as well finish my rant. Right. So, but- <laughs> I love it. No, I think I healed that one a long time ago. Because quite frankly, I don't give shit. I don't. <laughs> I don't. There are people who, I, you know, I used to take myself through those paces where, why can't I be the perfect housewife? Why aren't my children's hair done in cute little ponytails and buns and stuff? And so I realized I really don't care about stuff like that, okay? As long as they're warm, uh, as long as they've got food in their tummies, when they grow up, they can create their own fashion sense. Stop giving me work. I don't want that work. I don't want that kind of work, right? So nice. I think... Oh, sorry, Barbara. My son, when he was little, wanted the faux hawk, you know, the oh, faux yes. And I didn't care. I, I was like, oh, so people pick and choose your fires. The kid wants to wear a mohawk. Let him wear a freaking mohawk. I don't care. And my relatives were like, oh my God. Now, these are Italians, and some of them are traditional and they are old school, would say, how are you letting him? I said, if that is the biggest deal, is his hair being up to here, I'm okay. Really, I'm okay with that. Right. If he's doing his homework and understanding his math and being good and being kind and has a good heart, that's what I'm worried about. If he wants to do homework, and luckily he didn't paint it a certain color, but if he wanted to, I'm okay. Yeah. 
So I feel like it's, that, it's, oh, go. go ahead, Matthew. No, I was just going to, no, you go ahead and then I'll talk after that. Well, I mean, you're going to have to run this conversation that has grown so wide <laughs> and so big. <laughs> that's because we've got literally, we've got five minutes, literally. Five. Oh, okay. So, yes, you know, and I hope everybody is laughing and I hope the listeners are, I hope that they're getting that you want to be in this energy, in the energy that you laugh and, and, and don't beat yourself up and get rigid and hard and shut down and don't open because that is what continues the patterns and the problems. That's what makes it not stop. We all have crap. Don't let your control you take control of your crap. But that means you got to fall in love with it. You got to clean it. You got to tear it up. Okay. I'm loving my crap. Truly, truly, charismatic people talk about their crap and it's no big deal. They don't have shame. And so healing that will make this shift. It will make it shift. Be open. And earlier in the show, I was, you know, I want to talk to white people and I want to say to them. I'm so sorry. Can I just interrupt? into my own little world what i do <laughs> Stop. that's been going on tiktok kids do it to tiktok and it's so funny it says something. that's why i don't talk to white people no every time you say i want to talk to white people i keep hearing that song i'm sorry listen i'm i'm a whole fool okay i'm a whole fool <sighs> i want to tell you with racial issues, relax, relax, own it. We we live in a country with generational patterns of discrimination. It is there. It is our history. It is a problem. But relax. It's there. Own it. Own it. Open it up. Look at it. Love on it. Talk about it apologize if you have been insensitive and, and and people will let you know you'll read it on their face if they're not giving it to you in words so and it's some of us will give it in the words yeah 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 side eye whatever <laughs> so but in that and that's what and it's racial it's sexism it's lbgtq insensitivity is a problem and so I hope you'll get some of these books um, and take a look at them and healing the shame that binds. And I just lost the title of the one I just gave. What the fetch was it guys? I'm getting old, man. It I only hurt. took that one down. It didn't start with you. Yeah. It didn't start with you. How inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle. Um, but if you just put in Amazon, it didn't start with you. The book will come up. Um, and you know, we got going so fast tonight. Do you know what I forgot to talk about? What? Where people can find us. <laughs> oh, we're bigger picture issues. Guys, we're everywhere, guys. You can find us everywhere in the whole world, okay? Talk about the freaking details. I, I just realized, I said, I feel like I missed something today. So... So I want to, before we stop, I want to say, look at everybody. We need, we need you. We need viewer, you viewers. We need your help. We need you to go and write in the comments section, like our pages. Um, you can find us, of course, here on Facebook, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, um, Detroit Podcast, YouTube, um, uh, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. All, this show is Psyched by MG. It's under Psyched by MG and all those categories. Uh, we need you to give us your thoughts. Let us know what you want to hear. But please like us and please um, rate us and review us. Um, we, you know, we work with feedback. We are not perfect. You know, we're probably doing some things wrong. But let us know. Let's all talk about it. Let's be transparent. You can find Barbara Mangami. Da, 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 da. Generic African auntie uh, on 
all those same it's platforms no day she said okay you know my brain is shut down like literally <laughs> what, what she said what she said is where you can find me all those different <laughs> podcasts you have to find her yes and no, Matthew and I, of course, Psyched by MG has a website. You can mm -hmm. always reach us there. Uh, there's a number there if, if you want to talk to us uh, directly. Um, we welcome you. We care about you. You know, we, we you know, have all kinds of feelings on this show. We, we certainly hope um, it opens you up and makes you feel connected. Um, For and those so who are listening, and if you're in pain, it gets better. It gets better. It does it will get better. And usually, typically, and in all of our generational experience, sometimes the gift is right next to that pain. So Absolutely. keep on pushing. People, we're, we're out here. We care about you. There's other people who care about you. And that's also part of that process of kind of shedding your old skin and kind of embracing yeah. your new authentic self. So, Amen. That is a great close. So we wish everybody a great night. And we hope to hear from you. Right, have hope a great hear weekend, from all guys. You. Love you all. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.